0: Spartan family, college hoops fans, sports fans alike, welcome in. Brand new season of the Impact Is Zone podcast presented by Impact 89 FMW DBM Sports. Your home for all coverage of Michigan State men's basketball. Trent Bailey here. was on the podcast last year. We've got a couple new faces. My guys, Brendan Chabon, Luke Sloan. How we doing?
1: We're doing pretty well. I mean, Brendan, we're taking over for a couple legends. I'd be pretty remiss if I didn't... Uh, Give a shout-out to Julian Mitchell and Natalie Kerwin um, making things happen out in the big real world. They've since graduated, but I'm feeling
2: good, ready to talk some hoops. Yeah, definitely have some, some big shoes to fill with the, the, the two idols from, uh, from the station right now.
0: Yeah, yeah, I miss them already. Nothing against you guys. But, you know, it's, it's going to be a great ride, so we're excited. Uh, it's a COVID-19 riddled season, but from Trent, Luke, myself, I already said that, whatever, Brendan, Luke, and myself, Buckle up. We're going for a ride. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're bringing you content all season long, so stay tuned. Uh, Guys, we got a lot to talk about today as the season's right around the corner. Uh, But first, let's start with a couple ex-Smartans now, officially. Uh, Professionals, Cassius Winston, Xavier Tillman drafted in Wednesday night's NBA draft. Pretty exciting stuff. Brendan, I know you had a little bit of a personal connection, Cassius Winston. Fun night celebrating last night for you, huh?
2: Yeah, it was it was really, really good to see. I mean, I've been lucky enough. I remember being being a fifth grader, going to a, a U of D Jesuit basketball game, and this freshman comes out, makes a sweet layup, and this woman next to me, a total stranger, she goes, Yeah, that's a freshman and it was Cassius. So I've I've watched him on this this eight year journey going through uh, making it to the, the final four in high school and losing and then winning a state championship there and then I grew up a Michigan fan my whole life, but when he got to State, immediately was a Spartan fan. And, and there's no family more deserving than the Winston family. They all have worked so hard for this and have all stuck stuck by Cassius, and they've been through so much, obviously. And it was it was just a really special moment to to see it pay off for them. It was, like I said in, in my story, it was the, the chocolate fudge on top of the Sunday, and they finally got it, which they so much deserved. So that was really cool.
0: Yeah, all the good stuff. Uh, congratulations to Cassius Winston, selected number 53 overall by the Oklahoma City Thunder, traded instantly to the Washington Wizards where he will have his rookie season. Xavier Tillman taken number 35 overall by the Sacramento Kings, traded to the Memphis Grizzlies, reuniting him with Jaron Jackson, JJ. Big talking point. Best man in X's wedding, actually. So a uh, couple fun storylines here for the, for those, uh, those two guys. It's going to be fun to watch them. But I guess I want to ask you guys our first question. Who has the better rookie season between these guys. What do you see happen? Sloan will kick it to you first.
1: Yeah, I just want to say that, you know, like the draft yesterday, we had a pretty rare opportunity um, to watch two Michigan State Spartans get picked in this NBA draft. I mean, you don't see too often in any sport at Michigan State, whether it's football, you know, basketball. You know, I think of when Jaron Jackson Jr. and Miles Bridges both went out together and got drafted I could compare that time to this time. But all day, everybody, all the Spartan fans had their eyes on those two players getting picked. So really it's not – we don't get this opportunity a lot as Spartans to see two guys who both made prolific impacts while at Michigan State get picked in the same draft. Um, But in terms of who has the better rookie season, I've got Xavier Tillman having the better rookie season over Cassius Winston, um, kind of breaking down his fit with Memphis – I was really happy that he, you know, got picked by Memphis. Obviously, John Morant, Jaron Jackson Jr., it's a team on the rise. And I think that there's going to be a path to pretty immediate playing time for Xavier Tillman as a Grizzly. Um, uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. starting at the four. uh, Jonas Valenciutis starting at the five. Um, Really, their only reliable backup, power forward, backup center is Brandon Clark, um, a a second-year player, another young guy. So there's going to be a lot of minutes to be had um, in the at the four spot, at the five spot with Memphis. So I think that there's going to be a path to immediate playing time, and that helps with the fact that he can play multiple positions. He can guard multiple positions. He's a very versatile player, and he's mature beyond his years. That's what people raved about when he was at Michigan State, and I'm sure that's what people are going to rave about when he hits the league here in really just about a month.
2: Yeah, I mean – X talked about all the way leading up to the draft, how he didn't care where he went. He just wanted a good fit where he was going to be able to grow as a player. I think Memphis is a great place for that. You mentioned that he's going to find a spot uh, in that depth chart pretty quickly. And I think you brought up a great point Sloan with his ability to defend so many different positions is really uh, unmatched in the NBA. Nowadays, there's not a lot of people that can do that. Uh, And I don't think, Valanchunas or Jaron Jackson are one of those uh, types of players that can guard any position, whereas Tillman has that size and speed that can still do that. I think Memphis is going to utilize that well. Uh, From what I hear, it sounds like they're very excited to have him. I know he's excited to get out there. I think he's uh, actually got out there today. Um, And I do think it's going to be a really good fit for him. And I do agree with you. I think he'll have uh, a really good uh, rookie season given uh, taking 35th, you know, later in the draft. I think he's going to have a great year, though, for them. I just
1: love yeah. the way that his his game fits the pros. I mean, in a in a league where the, the floor is spaced so much and there's mismatches constantly, he can guard like one through four and even some bigger fives in the NBA. And really his ability too to shoot it from deep, um, which is something that was greatly improved from last year, um, and that's gonna be continue to be improved. I see him as like a Patrick Patterson type uh in the NBA, someone who can play, you know, both forward spots, you know, center in a smaller lineup you know shoot the three and be really a really valuable role player for a team uh, I think that's what his role is going to be at least as a rookie
0: yeah when you look at Tillman's shot it's definitely not broken uh it's, it's it's you know he's he's not a necessarily known as a shooter but that's something that he has continually tried to add on and add into his arsenal and you never really saw that really take flight in East Lansing but at the next level it's it's gonna have to so uh I, I look forward to watching him develop that shot but until then, I mean, he could step right in, I think, and be almost a Montrezl Harrell-type player for the Grizzlies, you know, coming off the bench. Uh, and something you guys mentioned, you hit the nail on the head, it's a, it's a young team. John Morant, obviously, very dynamic point guard. Uh, and that's, you know, that's not foreign to Tillman, playing with Cassius Winston. Uh, so he's going to fit right in there, in my opinion. Uh, I also think it's a great fit. But let's talk about Cassius just for a sec. Uh, Brennan, I want to kick it to you because you, you wrote a fantastic piece. Everybody go check it out on the Impact website. About Cassius Winston's fit in Washington obviously some trade rumors swirling a little bit with Bradley Beal and John Wall the backcourt they got there but I mean that dy- that that dynamic there is great so I want you to talk about you know what Cassius has said about learning from those guys
2: yeah and I I think the the cool thing about that backcourt paired with Cassius who he's going to learn under is they are the opposite player as far as NBA prospect from Cassius they're fast they're they're they jump high they're very athletic you know uh, really good shooters and, and explosive players and Cassius is more is more of a free flowing kind of rock the baby to sleep type of player and sees the court really well um, but they've they're both uh, I would consider veterans in the league at this point um, and superstars I mean John Wall's been out with injury but he's definitely uh, one of my favorite players to watch Bradley Beal's one of the best scoring guards uh, in the NBA right now and I think he's gonna have a great learning opportunity from them and he's he mentioned that he's He's excited to learn from them, and, and that they play hard, and they're trying to win. And I think uh, he's going to be in a really good spot there. He is going to have to carve out some minutes for himself uh, in that depth chart. Um, I know Ish Smith is going to be a free agent after next season, I believe. But um, I think I think he'll be a good fit. And no matter where Cassius has gone, he's always lacked that physical ability and then the other players, whether it's in high school or AAU or college, but at every single level he's played, he's won. And a lot of credit goes to his coaches and his surrounding players, but he's, he's the common denominator in uh, all those levels of succession. And I think uh, that's just something you can't ignore.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, you bring up a great point everywhere he's gone, you know, he's never relied on his athleticism. And especially if you look at the way the NBA has played now, uh, that's becoming more and more the case. It's small ball, it's more finesse, it's a lot of shooting and that kind of thing. So, you know, his game is really going to adapt nicely anywhere you put him in, really. Uh, so that is something that we're definitely going to keep an eye on. I'm sure a lot of the Spartan faithful are going to be rooting for Cassius in D.C. So I, I want to I spin the question a little differently. Who do you think goes on to eventually have the better NBA career between Winston and Tillman? Sloan, we'll kick it to you.
1: I've got uh, Cassius Winston having the better career. I really liked the the two questions that you put in the the planning document. Uh, So shout out Trent. But, you know, comparing Cassius Winston to Xavier Tillman, you know, this is not a knock on Xavier Tillman at all, but, you know, the reigning defensive player of the year, you know, a physical presence on the interior. He's going to have to use his body in more violent ways uh, earlier in his career compared to Cassius Winston. Whereas Cassius, um, you know, as an advanced playmaker, as a shooter – with a high basketball IQ and and a ton of other intangibles and just being a winner, those skills are always going to be needed on an NBA roster, no matter where he might go in his career. And those skills aren't going to age with time either. You know, his basketball IQ his his court vision, his ability to, to see the next pass that's not going anywhere with age, you know, comparing him to someone like a Russell Westbrook, you know, a point guard that's been able, that's been forced to, you know, over rely on athleticism and and it's kind of bit him on the back end here as he continues to age. Cassius' skills are not gonna age. And then I think continuing for him continuing to grow as well is going to be a big point. You know, as a junior he shot 39% from deep. As a senior he improved that four percent to about 43%. He's still an improving player. And you mentioned this too, Brendan. Ish Smith, free agent after 2020, 2021, um, probably the primary backup to John Wall in year one. Um, But there is a path for him in Washington. Scott Brooks, a respected veteran coach of the league, um, is going to work with him well. And you you mentioned, you know, sitting behind Wall, sitting behind Beal, and even sitting behind Ish Smith, too, a veteran of the league. Um, All of that's really going to benefit him for the long run.
2: Yeah, I definitely think you hit it on the head with uh, what Cassius brings, that that stuff is always going to be needed on an NBA roster. Obviously not playmaking ability, but as far as um, his intangibles and what he's always going to bring to a roster, he reminds me a lot of a uh, Jawan Howard, Udonis Haslam type of player in Miami. Just these veterans that are going to be great locker guys. They're going to be around forever. Whether they're actually producing in their later years, um, that, that can be a question. But I definitely think uh, Cash is, is going to be around for a while. And I think he's going to have his, his successful time for sure.
1: You know, I'd be remiss without going after the elephants in the room, um, you know, the three of us watching the draft last night. Uh, I know personally I was pretty frustrated uh, the farther and farther that Cassius dropped last night. I was wondering what the, what the emotions were like on other couches across East Lansing.
0: Yeah, you know, I will say this. This is just kind of a goofy little spin on it for me. I'm a big LeBron James fan if anyone follows any of my takes on anything. I find a way to squeeze them in anyway, anyhow I can. Love LeBron. So, likewise, I don't really like the Golden State Warriors very much. And when when I, I was 1,000% sure the Warriors were going to pick Cassius Winston, I was going to be like, oh, boy, now they're going to suck me in. I'm going to like the Warriors now for no reason, especially with all the news with Klay Thompson. I just thought maybe they were going to take another, you know, dynamic guard like that. But, obviously, they ended up going elsewhere. And then, you know, Cassius, uh, initially I did not understand that the pick was traded to the Wizards. I was just going nuts because, obviously, Chris Paul just getting traded away from okay, see, I thought Cassius was going to come right in there and be, like, the man. And, of course, I'm having all these thoughts in my mind. And then, you know, you slow back to reality and you kind of realize what's happening here. And it's going to be a great journey for him, and he's ready to work hard. So I'm excited. But, yeah, Shabath, how'd you, how'd you handle the news? Uh, I mean, I definitely felt the same way. You and I don't share
2: the same love for LeBron. Not nearly. But, um I, I saw the Warriors come up, and one of our assistant coaches who actually coached Cassius at U of D and me as well, uh, Brandon Parrish, shout out Coach Pete, uh, he tweeted out uh, yesterday morning what a great fit Cassius would be at the point guard for Golden State as a backup to Curry and Clay coming off screens, finding someone like Wiseman and Draymond to make plays down low. I mean, Cassius's vision on Golden State would just be unstoppable and he wouldn't get noticed in the scouting report, so he'd have room to make plays for himself. And I actually said in uh, our banter group chat, five minutes prior to the Golden State pick. If Nico Mannion goes before Cassius, that's just disrespectful. And sure enough, they took Nico Mannion. Um, I think the Pistons made a mistake in taking uh, Saban Lee later in the second round when Cassius was still on the board. I'm a homer for the Pistons. I'm a huge Pistons fan and Cassius fan. That would have been the the perfect uh, positive-negative match for me. But um, like many Spartans past and current Spartans now, I think – a lot of teams are going to be remissed uh, when they realize how hard they slept on Cassius.
1: Trent, I want to turn this around on you. I know, uh, once again, referencing the text chat, um, you presented like at midnight last night, 1 a.m. That we're, we're recording on a Thursday, so this was Wednesday night. But you mentioned the Bulls, Celtics, Lakers, and Warriors as the, three, or the four teams that you don't like the most in the NBA. If Cassius went to one of those four teams, which one would you be most upset if he landed on, I I think I have a prediction, but yeah. I'm going to give the floor to you.
0: It would have to be the Bulls. I hope I hope the Bulls stink for the rest of their existence. I don't like the Bulls at all. Plus, you know, the whole Detroit-Chicago dynamic, that's a huge r- rivalry right there, and I wouldn't want, you know, our homegrown, Detro- our homegrown Detroit guy going to be the savior in Chicago. I, obviously, I'd root for him wherever he goes, but I just it's easier to root for the team than the player sometimes. So I would prefer if these players that I enjoy watching are not playing for teams that I don't like. So that, that's kind of, that's kind of how I see that whole situation. But yes, no no doubt. It goes Bulls, Celtics, Lakers, Warriors. That's just as a Pistons fan. And then obviously the Warriors sneak in there, you know, LeBron fandom, what have you. But uh, I think that kind of wraps that up. If anyone else has anything to add, go for it. Then we'll move into Michigan state basketball. Uh, we got a new season on the horizon. Uh, six days away, as we record now, actually, as Spartans open against Eastern Michigan. We'll get to that game later. Do some season predictions and that kind of thing. But first, guys, I want to take a look at the roster. Um, there's lots to replace uh, with Cassius Winston and Xavier Tillman heading to the NBA. Not to mention losing Kyle Ahrens, uh, great rotational piece, losing uh, Connor George, uh, bench leader. You know, scout team leader, that kind of thing. It's just the dynamic's going to be different. But one of the biggest uh, positive changes this season is that Joshua Langford is back originally looking like he was gonna you know pack his things and move on and be done with basketball and, you know he's a great young man he's got a lot going on in his life but he is back for a red shirt senior year I think he's actually technically listed as a graduate student or something but you know still on scholarship nonetheless he's gonna he's probably gonna start we'll get into all that stuff in a second here but uh I guess yeah we'll roll right into that what are your starting five predictions Sloan we'll kick it to you first who do you see The Spartans rolling out uh, as a starting lineup against Eastern on the 25th.
1: You know, starting with these guard positions, it really brings an interesting conversation forward about Josh Langford and where he fits and how he's going to be used. You know, I don't think it can be overstated how important his return is to this team. You know, losing Xavier Tillman and Cassius Winston, two leaders in that locker room and on the court, um, people that they could command the huddle and make relationships with their teammates off the court. Um, I think having Langford back, an experienced fifth-year guy, is really going to go a long way in kind of filling that hole that Winston and Tillman are leaving. But um, I don't have Josh Langford in my starting five uh, for that first game against Eastern Michigan. I think that uh, Tom Izzo, even though Tom Izzo says he's as close to 100% as he can be, and he's going to you know push him and, and give him a full role, I think it would be – premature and, and kind of inappropriate to give him big, big minutes off the bat. Uh, so that's why I have Foster Lawyer starting at Point Guard, um, a guy that, you know, Izzo has heaped a lot of praise on this offseason and in practice, and a guy that's really, you know, flown under the radar and but earned his spot. It can't be overstated how hard he's worked this offseason, um, and, you know, you saw those improvements last year, and it, what Izzo says matters. Um, so I have him starting at point guard, Rocket Watts playing off the ball, even though they'll probably, get, they'll probably both get looks on the ball. I think he's going to be improved as a passer and a playmaker after sitting behind Cassius Winston. And then rounding out the lineup is a little bit more predictable. Uh, Aaron Henry at small forward, the Julius Irving Award uh, watch list recipient. Joey Hauser at power forward. And then my center is Marcus Bingham, uh, the incoming junior. So that's my starting five. Yeah, we've
2: got we've got some very different ideas for the direction of this team, Sloan. Um, I do have to, to call you out a little bit. If I'm not mistaken, Izzo has said that Josh Langford will be a starter this year. Now, I think you bring up a good point with Eastern Michigan. No disrespect to them, but that's obviously a lesser opponent than some of the Big Ten teams they're going to play this year. So I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't, like you mentioned, start that game or play as many minutes. But my predicted, well, here's the thing. They lose 32 points per game from Cassius and Xavier. That's a lot of production they need to make up. Um, and the last time Langford played basketball, he was averaging 15 a game, uh, two assists, and shooting 40% from behind the arc. Um, and that was just in 15 games uh, the last season that he played. So I think uh, Izzo's really excited about Josh. And I think he's, he's going to be eager to get him in there and, and get him some early minutes before we kick it into big-time Big Ten play. Um, Cause this is our last year with him so that he's going to have to make the most out of him. Um, so I think Langford's definitely going to get his chance. So I have uh, rocket starting at point guard um, and I'm really excited to see rocket watch this year. Uh, I think he's going to have a great season. Um, he's not really known as a distributor, but I think he can definitely uh, come into that role uh, and be birthed as the new leader of this offense. Um, then I've got Josh at shooting guard, uh, obviously Henry at the, at the three spot. Um, and this is where we differ again. The big man is is a big question for Michigan State, and we've seen in in years past that Izzo is not afraid to mix it up, especially last year. Sometimes Malik Hall got a start, sometimes it was Marcus Bingham, it was almost always Tillman, sometimes Brown had a start, though, and we still have a lot of those same pieces. I think the one lock for sure is Hauser, whether he's playing the four or five. um, I think on offense, he'll definitely play the four and, and, and stretch the floor a lot. But I think Hauser uh, might show the ability to defend the five spot down low. Um, And I think that's a possibility. Uh, I think Malik Hall and Gabe Brown are going to get a lot of minutes. Malik Hall was a slept on player last year, but in their two biggest wins of the season at Seton Hall and at Maryland, Malik Hall had his two best games. And I don't think that's a coincidence. I think he has a chance to be a really good bruiser, defender, rebounder, shot blocker uh, for this team. And Gabe Brown might be the most athletic player on the floor at all times. So I think if he can just kind of get, get his confidence going, he'll get up there uh, and, and make some really good plays for them. Um, but I think my snub uh, in the rotation is going to be Bingham. He's got uh, a lot to prove still. Um, we've heard Izzo talk a lot more positively about other players than he has about Bingham. Um, but if Bingham can, can put on some weight uh, and stay strong this season, he definitely can be a huge piece to this offense.
0: So, Brennan, can you you run through your starting five real quick one more time? I just want to see – to compare to Sloan's and myself.
2: So, I have Rocket at one, Josh two, Henry at three, Hauser at four or five, and then it's between Hall or Brown to finish out the
0: five. All right. Sloan, you got something to add?
2: Yeah, I was going to say that, you
1: know, your starting lineup really sheds some light on something that could be kind of different when talking about Izzo rotations and him potentially going a little bit smaller. I mean – not that the six nine Joey Hauser would be a quote unquote small center, but you know he' like you know I can see Izzo inserting a Marcus Bingham in there or a marble, more of a shot blocker, stout defender on the post, but this could be a year where you see some different Tom Izzo looks um, in terms of you know the the makeup maybe he's going a little bit more modern with smaller lineups, so I think that's going to be something interesting to watch. Love the disagreement though it's going to be a hopefully a staple of this podcast this season.
0: Yeah, we're gonna have some fun conversation. I can already tell. Uh, my my personal prediction, I almost mirror exactly what Brendan said, so I won't spend too much time on it. I've got Rocket Watts starting at point. Sloan. I I really like the Foster Lawyer uh, prediction because I could totally see it happening. You know, he is one of the he's a captain this season, uh, and I really think he's taking it upon himself. He could he could have gone to the MAC conference and, and, and be averaging thirty a game. You know, like but no, he wants to be a Spartan. He wants to be in the Big Ten, and he wants to play for Tom Izzo. And I think that he is working hard, and they, you know there's never a shortage of nice things to say about uh, foster lawyer, from the coaches, from the teammates and all that, and even the fans, you know, a little polarizing, but I think he's mostly a fan favorite. But I do have Rocket Watts at point guard. My player comp for him, going back to last year on this podcast has always been Russell Westbrook. He plays downhill, he's athletic as hell. Uh, he's an above average defender. he's a very streaky shooter. Uh, Brandon you mentioned not as great of a passer but I definitely think that's you know that's an area where he will get a lot better um, as he draws more attention you know from defenders with Cassius Winston now not on this team what have you as shooting guard I've got Josh Langford I'm not sure you know Sloan to your point I'm not sure how many minutes he'll actually play but I definitely think he will be the starting shooting guard uh, for more games than not this year I just think he's earned that and Izzo will definitely roll with that I've got Aaron Henry at small forward. We'll talk about who the MVP of the team will be later uh, for those predictions. But I just think Aaron Henry's having a huge season this year. I think, you know, he, he declared for the NBA draft. People forget. Obviously, went and just tested the waters, came back. And I think the reason he came back was because he realized he has a lot, to, a lot of work to do. And I think he's determined he's going to be a man on a mission, fun player to watch. I've got Joey Hauser at the four. Brendan, you mentioned he's going to be a great stretch four, live on the perimeter a little bit. Uh, that's going to be a great new toy for Tom Izzo, by the way. hasn't had a great shooting big since I don't know Adrian Payne. I, I really I can't remember the last time he had a big man like that that could consistently knock down the three. And we've seen Hauser do that at Marquette. And at center, I've got Malik Hall. Um, I just think that you know, Brendan, you bring up a great point about him stepping up in big moments. And I think uh, Tom Izzo's a coach who respects that kind of thing. He award he rewards that. And uh, I mean, Malik, I would just look for him to have a great season in terms of. Uh, doing the bruiser work, kind of filling that Toman role. Uh, great rebounding, uh, rim protection. He can obviously grow there. But there are a lot of options at center. And I guess my my snub uh, in the rotation is also going to be Marcus Bingham. I think that this is a guy in his third season. Uh, the Spartan faithful have kind of waited for him to take that next step, and it hasn't really happened. But, um, and who knows? That could happen. He has put on weight. Thomas has spoken very highly of him. Uh, but he's another guy who, who's supposed to be able to consistently knock down threes, hasn't really come to fruition yet. But um, yeah. So I guess that, that that's my starting five right there: Watts, Langford, Henry, Hauser, Hall. So we'll see how that all works out. Um, and got, yeah, Sloan, you got something?
1: Yeah, I was I was gonna throw a player out there to see what kind of uh, takes you guys have on this guy. You know, Izzo doesn't talk to him, talk about this guy as much as like a Bingham or a Matty Sizoko or uh, like a Joey Hauser. But I've been a big Julius Marble fan since he stepped on campus as a freshman last year. Um, I think. You know, he's one of my snubs. I had my snub as Malik Hall. You guys have Malik Hall as more of a starter. Um, but, you know, I, I put shout-out Julius Marble under snubs on the doc. Um, I think he's another Xavier Tillman-like, way mature for his age kind of guy. Um, I think he's got some defensive uh, problems that he needs to improve on. But I think his offensive game is very advanced. Um, and I'd really like to see him get some more run this year. So I was wondering where you guys feel you know, kind of in this rotation about a guy like Marble? Is he going to be kind of an odd man out, you guys think?
0: Well, I I see him as being – I mean, if you look at his body and just the way that he plays the game, I see him kind of as a Derek Nix type of guy. Obviously, he's not that big, but he just kind of – similar play style. And you're right, there were plenty of flashes last season. You know, he got in for 10 minutes or he'd get in for two minutes. It was – there's quite fluctuation in his playing time. But I could absolutely see him stepping up and having a big sophomore year, you know, a big jump. Uh, and Marty Sissoko too. I mean, that's another guy. We'll talk about the freshman later. Um, that's another guy who I could see coming in right away and just kind of doing the little things, not being asked to do a whole lot, Brendan. Yeah, I think
2: marble's a really interesting player. And I think him and Sissoko, uh, depending on how long they both stay are going to be really fun to watch together. I think they're both pretty similar play styles, uh, both big, strong, uh, bruiser types down low. Um, and I think marble, He has a very high ceiling, Um, and I think Tom Izzo is just kind of waiting to find his his niche in this rotation. Last year, there were a lot of minutes being taken up by other guys, and I think it's going to be similar this year. I mean, Joey Hauser's not going to be around much longer. Bingham's in his third year. Brown's getting older. I think he wants to take advantage of these guys while we have them, and at the same time, still develop Marble to be better and better than he already is. So I think. This year is going to be a, a good rotational year for Marble, and I think next year we're really going to see him come into the player that, that he can be, um, along with Sissoko, too. Yeah, I think regardless of how – you know, we can, we can have
1: differences in this in our personal starting fives, but I think, you know, no matter how it shakes out and it's bound to change, there's a lot of really intriguing pieces on this Michigan State roster for 2020, 2021, a lot of different fits – a lot of different ways Izzo could go, you know, who's going to be playing in crunch time. You know, it's a really different, it has a different feel than last year where there's a lot of guys that could really be moving in and out. So I think it's really going to be something fun to watch um, and it's going to develop too. I mean, this lineup could change. I mean, Thomas Kithier is another guy that Izzo loves and gets a lot of minutes. You know, he's a solid player, a solid big. Um, this could really go a lot of ways.
0: Yeah, you know, I was a little surprised that somebody didn't transfer, I mean, at, in in the front court, because there's a lot of viable options there, and I mean, maybe they will all get equal shots at, you know, who gets to try to start at the four, or come back up the four, start at the five, back up the five, whatever the case may be, but um, the Big Ten is going to be tough this year, and we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that in a little bit, but, you know, I joked with Ryan Collins last week on the Green and White Report, we talked a little MSU Hoops season preview, and I just... If there's one fun thing about losing two of your best players, it's that you know, you get to watch all these guys step up, and there's so many question marks. You know, we just we we were just supposed to talk about a starting five, and we mentioned probably every person who's gonna see the rotation. So, I mean, it's it's gonna be a hell of a ride. So uh that's that's really interesting. So let's move into the schedule here. Um, Brendan wrote a fantastic breakdown of the full schedule. Check that out on our website as well. Here's just a couple, a couple highlights real quick. The non-conference schedule features, Notre Dame, Duke. Virginia and others like the in-state, the classic, Eastern Michigan, Western Michigan, Oakland. You get all those games. Um, The first game is the 25th of November against Eastern Michigan at the Breslin. More on that later. Uh, The conference schedule begins on Christmas Day. You have Christmas Day hoops from your Michigan State Spartans. Uh, They will play Wisconsin at the Breslin Center. You've got your home and home with Michigan. So I guess I want to ask you guys, uh, what games catch your eye?
2: Uh, I, I, these are the games that I like to call highlighter games. You get the list of the schedule and you immediately grab that yellow highlighter and fill that out. Not I'm awesome. It. Yeah. But so obviously the first one of the year is the Duke game. And in the press release, I was really excited to hear from athletic communications that in Michigan state, going to play Duke in the champions classic at Cameron indoor Duke has agreed to come back to the Breslin, uh, I believe next season. So yeah. if we can see this become a, a back and forth every year, that will be amazing. Uh, I love how Tom Izzo always makes a strong schedule uh, in the non-conference play early in the season. Um, and and I'm, I love when, when Michigan State goes against Duke. It's always great matchups. Um, you know, two blue blood powerhouse teams, which is going to be great. But I have to mention, Duke got really lucky this year. They get Michigan State at home for the Champions Classic. And then they also get number eight, Illinois, at home for the Big Ten ACC Challenge. Now, obviously, home and road is not as important with no fans, but it is still travel that you have to make. It is still your gym that you, you're you used to playing in. Um, but I just thought that was interesting. Uh, other highlighter games to go along with the Duke one, obviously the Virginia one where we'll see the Hauser brothers go against each other. That should be a lot of fun. Um, Wisconsin on Christmas Day, interesting choice to put the game on Christmas Day i um, not sure how much I love it. I don't think I hate it, though, either. Um, but that's going to be one of their biggest games of the season, their first really huge Big Ten game, obviously, because um, Wisconsin's a really good team. They're a favorite to win the Big Ten this year. Um, a surprising game that I have next highlighted is December 28th at Minnesota. It's the only Minnesota game that Michigan State will play this year. Obviously, the, the Golden Gophers lose Daniel Oturu to the NBA draft, a phenomenal player but they do return three of their top four scores, And I think uh, Minnesota is on the verge of becoming a perennially uh, big 10 contender uh, with the likes of like Indiana and Purdue who are sometimes good and sometimes not so good, but I think they're on the verge of that. And I think that could be a sneak up game for a young Michigan state team that doesn't have a lot of experience. Um, I'm excited for this home and home with Rutgers. Rutgers is, is going to be a good team this year. I think, I think they're a sleeper to win the big 10 um, and then obviously January 23rd uh, versus Illinois, that's going to be a huge game for uh big 10 standings. That's the only game Michigan state plays against Illinois. And then um, Illinois, they have to go back and play Iowa six days later um, at home. So that's going to be a huge game for big 10 standings and how that's going to shake out. Obviously we'll see later in the season, what that's going to mean, but those are, those are my highlight games for the season.
1: Brendan, do you think that's uh Minnesota? You said, you like how their momentum is kind of swinging. Do you think they get uh, someone we just watch on TV versus Imani Bates and Chet Holmgren, 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 something
2: like that. Yeah, Uh, Yeah. Chet's a big time high school player. And he's one of those guys where I hadn't watched a lot prior to that Imani game. And I was kind of skeptical of, okay, is, is he overhyped or is, is he the real deal? Um, And he definitely has some weight to put on, but I mean, he's 6'9", a lot like Amani. He can dribble, he can shoot, he can pass. Um, And I I think Minnesota's definitely, he's from Minnesota, which is why they're they're on the radar. I think they definitely, uh, he might have a little gleam in his eye for them. Um, But I think for someone as popular as he is and highly touted, it's going to be hard for him to stay homegrown, especially in a conference like the Big Ten that is just always, Minnesota's right in the middle of the pack right now. I think Holmgren's going to want to go somewhere where he's going to get noticed more by NBA scouts and, and be on a national stage right away.
0: Awesome. Sloan, any games in particular catch your eye? I mean, for me, I, obviously you're looking at Virginia, Duke, you know, Bath, you did a great job of hitting all those, but um, you know, the big 10 is going to be fantastic. We'll get to that in a second, but Sloan, any games in particular on your radar?
1: Yeah, I think the Duke game and the Virginia game, uh, both of which Brendan hit on, obviously a couple of big ones in that non-conference slate. Um, Duke going to be weird having no fans at Cameron Indoor, no Cameron Crazies. Um, I cannot imagine what that's going to look like, and I don't know if I want to imagine what it's going to look like. Um, and then Virginia too, uh, it's that driveway battle between Sam and Joey Hauser. Um, when they were playing one-on-one you know, as kids in the driveway or at the park, you know, this is the kind of game they dreamed of playing. So I'm really looking forward to seeing that opportunity for both players. Um, I did have a couple games that kind of differed from what you and Brendan brought up. Um, Their first trip to Iowa City uh, to play the Hawkeyes, it's in the front part of the Big Ten schedule. Um, So both teams obviously aren't going to be rolling that late-season momentum yet. Uh, Luca Garza and the Hawkeyes, big year in store for them, uh, presumably. That's a big game. And then the bookend game, uh, going from the front of the season to the back, um, I'm really happy that they scheduled Michigan, Michigan state in East Lansing for that last game of the season. Uh, you know, big 10 implications, you know, are a possibility and, you know, just having the rivalry game. I think, you know, Trent, you and I are freshman year here at Michigan state and Brendan, you were still a uh, senior at UAD. But but uh, they had that Michigan Michigan state game when John B was still there on the last day of the season, which was super exciting. Um, so that's going to be something to keep an eye on no fans, but still, Probably an exciting atmosphere. And then no trips to Madison, Wisconsin, or Champaign, Illinois. Uh, The Badgers and the Illini are going to be probably two top four teams in the Big Ten this season. And not having to go on the road to face either one of those uh, opponents is going to be huge for Michigan State.
0: Yeah, Sloan, you bring up a great point about how big and competitive the Big Ten is going to be. So uh, let's dive into that a little bit. Obviously, you know, the preseason AP, the Spartans come in at 13. You'd think that's pretty good. That is. That's rock solid. The problem is there's three Big Ten teams ahead of the Spartans. You've got Iowa at number five, Wisconsin at seven, Illinois at eight, and then obviously the Spartans at 13. You've got Ohio State at 23, Rutgers at 24, Michigan at 25. The Big Ten is stacked. At least the experts think it's going to be. So uh, with that, you know, I want to turn to you guys for your projected record for the season, Spartans playing 27 games. I'll kick it off. I think they go 20 and seven. Uh, I was kind of joking with you guys. The Detroit Lions have taught me that you can't really go through the schedule and count what's a win and what's a loss. So I'm not going to point to specific games, but obviously the non-conference schedule, uh, you guys, you guys talked about it. Tom Izzo has never been one to stack it with cupcake games. Uh, so you know, I, I assume you're gonna. It might get a little ugly early, but every Michigan State season seems to follow the same trend. Uh, there's some bumps in the road earlier in the middle. And by, you know, the end of February, rolling into March, Timezo has this team in tip-top shape. And uh, I think 20-7 and is going to be enough to win the Big Ten because the Big Ten is going to be so competitive and everyone's beating up on each other. And I don't think any team in particular is going to be able to distance themselves uh, from the rest of the pack. And I think we could see another season similar to last one where you've got a three-way share of the Big Ten title. Brendan.
2: Yeah, uh, I think we have a little different idea uh, I have a one-game difference in the record, but I think uh, the Big Ten standings, uh, we have some different plans. Um, I think they're going to go 19-8. and eight. Unlike you, uh, Trent, I did go through uh, each game, and, and that's how I got to –
0: That's to probably a smart win. way to do it. I'm just an idiot, so I just kind of throw a number out there. No, no, I,
2: I agree with your point with the, the experience with the Lions that that never works. But. um do it. I, I did find myself. You mentioned the bumps in the in the road uh, early and middle, and I find I found myself going through the schedule: win, loss, loss, win, loss, back and forth. But then we got to that to that like end of February, early March, end of January, with win, 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 win. Um, and I, I think uh, that that's bound to happen. Um, but as far as Big Ten implications go, I, I think Illinois is in the best possible position to win the Big Ten because they play. Michigan State once and they play Iowa once so if Michigan State and Iowa go one and one against each other Illinois uh bosses up for those two games and wins both of them those are going to be huge for Big Ten implications obviously Wisconsin's going to be in the mix too I think Rutgers is going to surprise some people um but I have them at 19 and 8th and probably or 19 and 8 sorry and probably tied for third in the Big Ten
1: in full transparency, I did not expect that I was going to be the optimist of this group when it came to Michigan State's record. I actually gave them another win uh, when I looked through the schedule a second time because I thought, man, Trent and Brennan are going to be dogging me for how down I am on this team. So I would be a liar if I didn't say that played a factor. Um, but I have the Spartans going 21-6 and six, uh, to kind of be at the front of the pack in terms of what they're going to do this season. Um, I'm really high on Illinois. I'm really high on Wisconsin. Um, Not necessarily uh, as much with Iowa. Um, You know, they always fade, it seems like, toward the end of the year. Um, So they're going to have to prove it to me a little bit more. Um, So I can see the Spartans kind of slotting into that third spot ahead of Iowa, which would surprise some. Um, But some key wins for the Spartan team, I don't see them winning uh, against Iowa on the road. But I think at home that's a game they could clip uh, the Hawkeyes, no pun intended. Um, I see them winning that Duke game. Um, that's kind of my going out on a, on a, on a little bit of a branch that I, you know, it could come back to bite me, but I see them kind of going to Cameron indoor with no fans and stealing that Duke game, uh, from coach K, uh, Michigan at home, I think is another factor and Maryland on the road. I have them winning both of those games, which will be nice resume wins for their uh, tournament resume, which may be may madness this year, but really, ton of chances to get, you know, good wins in this conference outside of like Nebraska and Northwestern, Um, you know, some key losses, you know, I think they lose to Virginia at Virginia, Um, and then another one where I'm kind of going out on a branch um, is Ohio State on the road, Um, I have a lot of respect for what Chris Holtman does with the Buckeyes, Um, they've had some trouble in Columbus in the past, um, and that's kind of my sleeper upset as well as Michigan on the road.
0: Great analysis from my guys over here. Wish I could get a little more, give a little more, but it's going to be a game by game basis for me. Once again, Detroit lions, PTSD, but whatever, there you have it. Uh, Brendan Bath has the Spartans winning 19 games. Myself, Trent Valley 20 Luke Sloan, 21 bang, bang, bang. We'll see who's closer. We'll see who's way off, whatever. It's fun stuff. This is why we do this kind of thing. Um, we'll come back to the big Ten in a sec, but guys, I want to pivot and I want to uh, talk about a couple more, you know, a little bit more about the roster here. So, Um, we're going to go through here and kind of see who's, uh, who we believe is going to lead the team in points, rebounds, assists all the way down the line, and maybe some preseason, uh, award predictions here, uh, for the team. So who leads the Spartans in points? I'll kick it off. I got Aaron Henry. I just kind of mentioned, uh, earlier, I just think he's got a big season ahead. He knows what's, you know, he knows what's at stake. You know, he wants to get to that next level. He wants to hear his name called in the NBA draft, just like his boys X and uh, Cassius did. Uh, the other night. And I just think he's going to come back. He's going to be a little bit more coachable. Um, and he's going to be the leader on the offense. And, and, and as well as, you know, he's a very athletic player. I think we're going to even see him take the ste- take the next step on defense. I think Joshua Langford takes a little bit of that pressure off of him and even Gabe Brown off the bench as well because they're very athletic guards too, wings. Uh, but, but I just see Aaron Henry having a fantastic season on both sides of the ball. Sloan, you mentioned Julius Irving uh, award watch list. Um, and I, I very well uh, see that coming to fruition. In fact, I'm going to predict that. So I, I, I've got I've got Aaron Henry leading this team in points. Uh, Brendan, what do you think?
2: Um, I made my points prediction leader a while back, prior to knowledge that Josh Langford was going to play. I saw an Instagram post, I believe from Bleacher Report Hoops, uh, that asked how many points do you think Rocket Watts is going to average this year. Uh, I reposted on my story with the stat line of 18, 4, and 3, 18 points, 4 assists, 3 rebounds. Um, I'm going all the way down to the 10th in my predictions. Uh, I'm going to stick by it, though. I think Langford and Henry may take away from some of Rocket's shots, but I'm going to stand my ground. I think Rocket leads in both points and assists for this team. I think he's going to have 18.2 points per game uh, to go along with 4.3 assists. Um, I think Rocket... Having the ball in his hands more will help um, in him, him getting up more shots. And I think this team clicks better with Rocket as the leading scorer. I think uh, Henry can be more of a facilitator than Rocket, and Rocket can learn from him, uh, hopefully for next year, uh, barring that he goes to the draft, which is a, a definitely a possibility. Um, but, yeah, I think Rocket's going to lead in points. I'm surprised
1: that you're – uh, more tepid about your 19 and eight record with uh, Watts scoring 18 points per game. I think that if Watts can score 18 points a game for the Spartan team, the sky could really be the limit.
2: I think, I think that number from my personal experience with rocket uh, he's a, he's a Detroit kid uh, went to school for a couple of years, right down the street from my high school U of D. Um, and then he went to, to Spire in Ohio to play with uh, Myron Gardner and uh, LaMelo ball um, I mean, we've, I've seen Rocket put up 30 and 40 and 60 in games. He got snubbed from the McDonald's All-American game and put up 62 the next high school game. Um, so oh, from my personal experience, that's a lower number for him. I've seen what he can do. Um, but I do think you're right. I do think if, if he can put up that number and, and Josh and Henry can kind of do their own thing, it'll be uh, a much better season than 19 and 8.
1: I was dogging you a little bit right there, but Rocket is my pick as well. Um, and then Trent, Aaron Henry's a really close second. I mean, watching the confidence that emerged in his offensive game toward the second half of last year when the Spartans were really rolling, he, was, he wasn't he was afraid to put it on the deck and hoist a couple more jump shots. I really think that toward the end of the year, Izzo really breathed a lot of life into his game. And when Rocket was clicking and and, and Tillman was clicking and Cassius was clicking, he really looked comfortable. So I think he's going to build on that you know, and go toward a huge season. But I agree with Brendan. I think Rocket's going to have the ball in his hands a lot. Um, I think that Tom Izzo is just, you know, having dreams at night about Rocket Watts running the break. I mean, he had Cassius running the break last year, which is obviously a huge plus. But to take that and then transfer it to Rocket this year, I mean, you want to talk about speed. We're going to have to, we're going to look at one end of the floor on the break and he's going to be on the other. So he's going to get points in bunches. I think he'll be a guy that could go for five, seven-point sequences in games, especially if they get out and run a little bit. I think that they're really going to come for Rocket this year. I have him having a huge year.
0: Let's talk about the rebounding column. Uh, That was a big Xavier uh, Tillman-owned column last year for the Spartans. So uh, who do you guys got? I've got got, um, Malik Hall, just based on the fact that I have him starting at center, and I think that he'll get a lot of those minutes, and he won't be asked to do a whole lot offensively, obviously – you'd like to get him some looks down low and in the post and maybe even stretch him out a little bit more. But I just think especially playing with Hauser, I'm assuming that those two are going to get the most playing time there, which is you know somewhat of a, a gray assumption. I'm not quite sure if we'll, we'll see that come to fruition. But I just think if Hauser is asked to shoot, I think Malik is just going to be a dog down in the paint, and I think he leads the team in boards.
2: Yeah, I think that's a great point. I have Hauser uh, leading in the boards category right now, but I would not be surprised. Uh, if you were correct to say that uh, Malik Hall w- w- would lead in that category at the end of the season, that's definitely going to be more of his role is is the garbage man, do the dirty work. Um, and uh, I definitely wouldn't be surprised to see that happening.
1: I have Hauser, too. Um, really, I think that's a lot based on playing time. You know, we talk about Bingham, talk about Brown, talk about Hall, talk about uh, Madi Suzoko, you know, Malik Hall, too. But the one real constant in that group of forwards is going to be Joey Hauser. Uh, He's going to be there all season long, and I really just think because of volume, uh, he's going to get the most boards this season.
0: Good stuff. Let's talk about assists now uh, on the playmaking side. Um, I'm going to go with Rocket Watts here, kind of similar to the logic you guys have used so far with the playing time thing. He's going to play a lot, and uh, I I just think on the break, he's going to be unstoppable because he can take it himself, or he can just dish it out, Blankford for three, and it's just going to be clicking all year long. So I like Rocket to lead the team in assists.
2: Yeah, I think if I think if Foster gets more minutes this year too, uh, he'll come to fruition as a three point shooter. Hauser can shoot, Henry can shoot, uh, Gabe Brown can shoot. So with Rocket leading the break and these guys spreading the floor out, I think he's definitely going to have some room for to dish to dish out some assists. Yeah,
1: I'm in lockstep with uh, both of you gentlemen. I think that uh, sitting behind uh, Cassius Winston last year and watching his craft uh, and learning from his craft. Uh, probably also benefited Rocket Watts in the assist category. So uh, that's another reason, like the ones that you guys mentioned, that I have um, him taking that title home this year for the Spartans.
0: Team MVP. Uh, I'm going to reiterate, I've got a lot riding on Aaron Henry. I just think he's going to have a huge season, a lot at stake, going to play very well, wants to improve his draft stock and get to the next level. Um, And I just see him having a fantastic year. What can I tell you? I think uh, Aaron Henry wins the team MVP award.
2: Yeah, I actually have to give it to, because my personal uh, thing with the MVP award, this goes for any league and any sport, is it is literally the most valuable player. And I think um, without Josh Langford, this team is really going to struggle. If, I mean, and, and Langford is, as I said it, we've all said it, he's the big question mark this season that's full of question marks. Um, but I think if, if he can go out there and get 12 or 13 points a game, a couple assists and shoot good from behind the arc, 35% plus, um, I think this team is, is really going to be in a good position, uh, come tournament time.
1: Yeah, I think that's a brilliant pick in terms of the true value to the team. If he goes off and gets buckets for state this year, the sky's the limit. I mean, they could be a final four team, like you said, if, uh, if Josh Langford is, you know, he's kind of that missing piece. You know, a big step for Henry and a big step for Rocket Watts would be one of those pieces. But if they can bring Langford into the fold as a starter who averages 10, 12, 15 points per game and brings some solid defense as well, that'd be huge for this team. I've got Henry too, just like Trent. I think if everything goes well for Henry this year, he could be a lottery pick. Um, You know, if he shoots it a little bit more efficiently and gets a couple more buckets, uh, pair that with elite perimeter defense and the ability to guard multiple positions and switch. Uh, in man defense, I think that he's in for a huge season.
0: Defensive player of the year. Pretty good segue, Luke, talking about Josh Langford's defense. I got Langford. I think people kind of forget how good he was on the defensive end back in those days with Miles Bridges and Cassius and Nick Ward. I mean, Tom Izzo said he's one of the best athletic uh, defensive guards that he's ever had in East Lansing. So I'm I'm going to say – and, you know, obviously with the the injuries, you can't really – bank on him to be actually 100% but I got no reason to believe that Tom Izzo would lie about that so I I actually think that Josh Langford is ready to roll and I look at this Big Ten Conference and I just think you're gonna really need athletic wings and I look at Josh Langford as the guy I mean Henry might be taking the best player I'm not sure but Josh Langford is is a guy who can absolutely you can switch everything he's a very savvy player and obviously a big leader on that side I see him as the guy you know slapping the floor and getting everyone to do that so I I just kind of I'm excited to see him return to the defensive side. I got Josh Langford as my deep boy.
2: Yeah. Uh, this, this deep boy award for me is, is a hard one to choose. Cause I think if they if the NCAA had a defensive team of the year, I think Michigan state would definitely be in the running for that award preseason. I mean, Gabe Brown is a high flyer who can block shots at the rim. Joey Hauser and Malik Hall, I think are going to hold their ground down low, especially Malik Hall. I think he's going to be underrated in the steals category. And then this might be the best perimeter defensive team Tom Izzo has ever had, um, and they might be the best defensive perimeter team in the NCAA this year. Langford can defend. Rocket is going to be one of the fastest and best on-ball defenders in the NCAA. Um, and Aaron Henry is, is just a lockdown defender that you're not going to score a ton of points against. Um, but I think the player of the year defensively for this team, uh, is going to be Rocket. I think Izzo really likes what he's seen from Rocket so far. He's, he's, he's going to be all reliable for Michigan State uh, on the defensive end, no matter what happens, no matter who's hurt and who falters. I think Rocket's always going to be there just because of his athletic ability and speed. And I think with his quick hands, uh, his defense uh, on the perimeter, uh, on the defensive side is going to lead to good fast breaks on the offensive side.
1: I really like your Rocket pick, uh, Brendan. You know, it seems like this kind of flew under the radar last year, but Tom Izzo praised Rocket on the defensive side of the floor a lot, you know, really from the beginning of the year to the end. I think it was something that people didn't pay enough attention to. Um, But I'm planning my flag, uh, and I'm kind of – I'm going to call my shot right now. I think that not only Aaron Henry is going to be the defensive player of the year for the Spartans, but I think Michigan State's going to bring home a back-to-back Big Ten defensive player of the year this time with Aaron Henry. Um, They're going to need a new linchpin in that defense now that uh, Xavier Tillman's moved on to the NBA. I think Aaron Henry's really going to take the lead on that side of the floor because it's been his bread and butter. It's been that constant with him since he was a freshman playing big minutes on that Final Four team that lost to Texas Tech. You know, I think NBA teams are going to really value his defense on the perimeter, value the fact that he can switch, guard multiple positions, and he just flat out gets after it on that side of the floor. I think it's going to be a big year for him on both ends. And I think he's going to take another leap defensively and get some pretty big recognition for it toward the end of the year.
0: Brendan, I really couldn't agree with you more in that this team is just full of dogs. And, and, you know, Tom Izzo is a defensive coach, too, whether people want to admit it or not. Obviously, he's the all-time great coach on both ends of the floor. But the the Spartans' identity is always defense. It starts on that side of the floor. So that is something to watch. Great picks by you guys. Uh, Let's talk most improved. Who do you see making the biggest jump this season? I've got Henry. Again, I think with all things considered, I think last year we saw him. We were just kind of waiting. It was a ticking time bomb. You're waiting waiting for him to take off. And our guy Julian Mitchell actually did a feature on him about midseason, kind of just talked to him like, hey, what's the? do you, do you hear what all the outside noise is about? You know, everyone's kind of waiting for you to, you know, take off and lead this team. And, you know, I, I he said he hears it and he he knows and he just keeps working hard. And I just think, yeah, a lot riding on this season. He's got New Jersey number two. I'm big on that kind of stuff. I just – I think that's cool, new mindset, and I just think he's really going to be fantastic. I've already kind of said why, but for that reason, I think with all things considered, I think he makes the biggest leap.
2: Yeah, I think I think Henry's going to be a really uh, well-improved player this year, and I think just talking to him on, on Zoom and seeing him uh, in, in practice videos and stuff, he just has a different kind of uh, swagger and composure about him. Uh, and I think it would be best to find his confidence, which is definitely one of the things he's lacked uh, in the years that he's been here uh, previously. Uh, but my most improved player who I also think is in that same category of getting more confident uh, is going to be Gabe Brown. I think Gabe Brown realizes that his window is closing at Michigan State, um, and I think he knows that this is the year that he needs to to make his mark uh, and make his, his name in this rotation. Um, and Gabe Brown is such an exciting basketball player. He's long and athletic and fast, um, and he can shoot the ball. And he's just – he's a fun guy to be around, too. He's a hype man for the team. He's always cracking jokes. Um, and I think if, if, if he can uh, just put it all together for one game, for one good game, he can go out there and have 18 points uh, and six boards or a double-double or something, I think that'll be the spark for him that gets him to just ride that wave the rest of the season
1: a big gay brown guy so i can get behind that pick um you know i watched him in high school play a little bit he played uh, down the street from me at belleville um but i'm gonna have kind of a dissenting opinion on this uh pick once again i'm going with julius Marble. um you know i think that the path for minutes for him is tougher than a lot of these other guys uh in the rotation but i just believe in his game i think it's a, a very a game that f- fits what Izzo wants to do And I, you know, Izzo will throw his name in there every now and again, talking to the media. So, you know, all it could take is, you know, someone getting in foul trouble ahead of him, him coming in for the majority of a game and him really kind of taking over. And then the rest could be history in terms of him carving out a spot in the rotation. We'll mark this one down to see if I'm really, really wrong uh, toward the end of the season. But that's what I'm going with with this pick.
0: All right, let's do freshman of the year. Um, I, I'm not quite sure if any of these freshmen are going to get a, a, a good amount of run, uh, but obviously you've got Mati Sissoko, um, Davis Smith, and A.J. Hoggard, of course. Hoggard's ready to roll, um, had had some knee surgery, but I think he's ready to roll for the start of the season. This is kind of a toss-up because, like we said, we don't really know what the rotation is going to look like. And initially I really like Sissoko for this pick, but I think I'm going to roll with Hoggard. I just think that he's going to get – a few minutes here and there in, in like, you know, tight spots, you know, when Rocket and Henry have to go to the bench or something, you bring in Hoggard and he's another guy, you know, he's downhill, he's athletic. And I just think that, you know, he could definitely come in and average, you know, five points a game in the games that he plays in who knows.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like uh, Sissoko for this one. Uh, I, I love just his style of player uh, Malik Hall, uh, Julius Marble type of style where they're just big, strong guys that are going to body you down low. Um, and, I, and everything we've heard from Izzo, we've heard from other players, is they really like how he's developing so far. And I think you're right. I think we're not going to see a whole lot of the freshmen this season. Um, and, and that's just because this is a loaded roster. And we've, we've talked about every single player on this roster pretty much. Um, so I, that doesn't surprise me that I don't think uh, they'll get a lot of minutes. But I think Sissoko is going to have a good year and he'll probably develop pretty well under this just huge repertoire of tremendous bigs that Michigan State has.
1: I'm on board with Brendan, uh, with Madi Um I think that AJ Hoggard is going to have a, an easier path, the minutes. Um, they're not as thin uh, with you know at guard. You know, thinking about the the guys who are going to back up a Foster, back up a Langford, back up a Rocket Watts. Um, but the Izzo's depth, had a lot of plays. The the
0: front court is outrageous. I mean, there's like yeah. there's eight guys who could get plenty of minutes in the front court.
1: It's crazy to think, you know, it's, it's almost just a log jam. And really, something's going to have to give this season with that group, uh, probably more toward the end of the season. But, uh, you know, this is a little bit of a risky pick, seeing that his, his path to minutes isn't going to be as good as Hoggard. Um, but I really think that the physical skill and his skill set can really play immediately uh, with what Izzo wants to do.
0: All right, let's roll back into a little Big Ten talk before we give our first game of the year preview, Eastern Michigan at Michigan State. We'll get there in a second. But we already mentioned the deck is stacked in the Big Ten this season. Uh, do you guys think it's the most competitive season in the nation? And, and if so or if not, who wins the conference? I think 1,000%.
1: Oh, I interrupted you, Brendan. That's my bad. Go ahead. Go like, ahead. I've been going You for can it. put that on the board as one where I owe you, whether <laughs> it be like a meal or something. I was thinking about counting those. Well, that's, also, we'll that's, that's that also
0: my fault for not specifically tossing it to somebody. But, yeah, Sloan, just go for it.
1: Zoom is tough. It's not it like is. cozy Studio H. We can kind of like banter back and forth with each other. Hope we'll be back in there soon. Um, I do think it's the most competitive conference in the nation. I mean, top to bottom, you know, exclude Nebraska and Northwestern. There's – anybody can beat anybody on any given night. You know, I think the four teams that have kind of separated themselves are Illinois, who I have winning the conference, you know, A.O. sumo, Kofi Coburn, Brad Underwood – Um, I love Brad Underwood as a coach, and I think he's got a lot to work with this year on on Illinois. I have them winning the conference, but that top group, Illinois, Iowa, Wisconsin, Michigan State, it's not just that top group. I mean, you you think about Wisconsin, you think about Indiana. I'm big on Indiana this year, Archie Miller, year three. Um, Ohio State, I'm a big Chris Holtman guy. Michigan, can't count out Purdue, Rutgers, Everyone's counting out Maryland, but they're, you know, Mark Turgeon and crew are going to be back for another year. There's just so many teams, and there's going to be so many good matchups in this conference. Um, I think it's going to roll into back-to-back years, this being the, the creme de la creme um, in terms of college basketball. And it's going to be, you know, it's going to be fun for State to play. You know, they have a lot of competition you know, in their own locker room with who's going to get more minutes than the other player. But there's going to be opportunities for those guys to prove themselves against you know, superior competition.
2: Yeah, I think this is without a doubt the toughest conference in the NCAA this year. Um, I mean, last year prior to uh, the COVID nineteen outbreak, I think it was it it could be pretty uh, certain to say that eleven teams from the Big Ten were almost guaranteed to make the tournament, and you could make the argument for two or three more uh, outside of that. Um, And and it was just going to be a Big Ten free for all in March. Uh, And really, when you look at it, not a lot has changed from the the key players from last year to this year, other than uh, Winston and Tillman, obviously, uh, and a couple guys around the league. Um, Sloan, you mentioned Purdue. I think they're a sleeper team. Travion Williams, I think is going to be one of the best bigs in the NCAA.
1: Local he- guy too, local yep. guy.
2: Yep, yep. I, I actually played against him at an LA fitness when I was like a junior in high school one time. Um, and then I saw him on TV against Michigan and was reminded of that. But yeah, I think he's going to have a good year. Rutgers is doing a lot of things right. I've mentioned them like three or four times already. They're a sleeper. Um, I agree with you, Sloan. I have Illinois uh, winning the conference this year. I think Iowa on paper is the better team. Uh, I mentioned in our, in our schedule preview, Illinois I think has the better schedule to win the Big Ten. And I just really love Io DeSoon so much. I mean, he's going to go high in the draft next year. I wouldn't mind if the Pistons just absolutely tanked this next NBA season, and he was somehow able to fall to them. They um, might. It's very possible. And, and Desumu isn't a proven winner yet, but he has that Mamba mentality about him. I mean, he hit that buzzer beater shot against Michigan last year. That was a big win for them and kind of his breakout game. Um, and I love everything about Ida Desumu and the this year.
0: Guys, call me a homer. I really don't care. I, I said earlier, I think the Spartans are going 20-7, and, and I actually think that's good enough to, to win this conference. Now, let me first say, I will pretty much go on the record right now saying I don't think that anyone's going to win this conference outright. I think that there's going to be a share of it somewhere, somewhere along the line. I mean, we saw last year three teams. Uh, we saw two teams the year before that. So it's just – it's a very competitive conference. You guys nailed it. Everyone, with the exception of those bottom two, uh, are – probably gonna make the tournament. I don't know. We'll see. I it's gonna be a very interesting year. Um, but yeah, I've got the Spartans winning it. I mean, Illinois is a great pick. IOTA Sumu. That's actually that's a good segue here. Um who wins player of the year? I actually have IOL winning player of the year. I think Illinois is positioned to do some great things. Uh Sloan, you talked about Brad Underwood. He's a fantastic coach. Um but yeah overall I mean I think the Spartans win the Big Ten because they're all going to beat up on each other, all these teams and all these, all these uh, you know, juggernauts. I think 20 wins wins the conference. But as far as player of the year goes, I mean, you're just going to have to give it to – there's going to be great guys, a bunch of guys putting up great numbers, so you're just going to have to give it to the guy who has the, the best numbers, quote-unquote. And it, I think that's going to be no sumu for Illinois. So what do you guys think for player of the year?
2: Yeah, I think obviously the, the, the two main candidates in this conversation are quite obviously Luca Garza and Io right now. Um, We could see Aaron Henry uh, mix his way into that conversation should Michigan State have a really good year and be up there near the top of the Big Ten. I think it's honestly just going to be the best player on the best team in the Big Ten, whoever wins the Big Ten. And like I said, I think that's going to be Illinois. Um, I think Dasumu is going to be in the running for national awards outside of the Big Ten, whether it's, uh, I forget the names, but point guard of the year. He could be in the running for a wooden award. He's definitely going to be a lottery pick. Uh, once he graduates this year. Um, so I, I definitely think he'll be the uh, the Big Ten player of the year.
1: You know, this might be kind of seen as a lazy pick, considering all the honors I'm about to read off. But I got Luca Garza winning the Big Ten player of the year. I've kind of made it known that I'm not as excited about Iowa as some of these other teams in the Big Ten. Um, I think they could be borderline fraudulent, uh, to be honest with you two. Um, you know, that might be my Iowa bias speaking, but I don't think that's going to reflect what Garza is going to do this year. Um, big 10 preseason player of the year, AP preseason, all America, Naismith trophy watch list. I mean, you name it. He's getting a lot of national hype and he's going to get a lot of touches for Iowa. He's the centerpiece of what they want to do offensively. Um, He's going to get a ton of touches senior season, last go around. He's going to be motivated. Um, I think he hears a little bit of that noise uh, from the outside world. Um, You know, some people may be doubting him, but more his team than him. Um, I think he's just going to will them to some wins. Um, he's a matchup nightmare for a lot of Big Ten, uh, Big Men, Fives. But I think he's going to get a lot of buckets this year. And I have him winning a preseason player, or not the whole player of the year. But there are a lot of candidates for this. I mean, Rocket could end up being in this if, you know, he really pans out. You know, and Aaron Henry could sneak in there to Sumo and Coburn, too. We don't talk about him a lot, too, right. but yeah. stud player for Iowa, or Iowa, Illinois. I'm losing it here. End of the oh, no, you're good.
0: You bring up a very good point about Garza and that, like, I mean, us firsthand as members of the Michigan State media, we kind of saw last year. Lord knows how the Spartans would have beaten Iowa at home at the end of the year if they didn't have Xavier Tillman there to lock up Luka Garza because he's fantastic. He's only going to be a little better this year. So you kind of have to keep your eye on that. And, Brendan, I think you also bring up a great point in that the best team they very well just might give this award to you know, the best, te- best player on the best team, whoever wins the conference, whether it's outright or not. But um, very interesting stuff here. To wrap up the show, we're going to roll into our game prediction for Eastern Michigan uh, traveling to MSU to play the Spartans. What do you think, Sloan?
1: A little shout-out, Eastern Michigan. Um, big Eastern Michigan guy. Uh, my dad went to Eastern for his undergrad and his bachelor's. My mom went to Eastern for her master's. I have two aunts that went to Eastern. I have a grandmother went, that went to Eastern. So there's a lot of green in my blood. Why the uh, hell didn't you go to Eastern, Lou? I don't know. I mean, it was right down the road. Get you know, out of
0: here. Go to go to Eastern. Transfer.
1: MSU J School. MSU Sports Journal. Best best place to yeah, be, hands yeah, down. You made,
0: you made the right call.
1: Eastern runs in the family, but I don't have Eastern uh, prevailing in this game. I have a pretty big win for Michigan State. Once again, my optimism is kind of shining through. Uh, 103 to 67, I think the Spartans win this one. Eastern is a middle- to lower-tier MAC team. Um, You know, Rob Murphy's been there for a while and hasn't really put up a ton of results. Um, So I have them winning pretty big. Um, You know, Michigan State will frequently put up 100 points against some lower non-conference teams, thinking – Florida Gulf Coast, Binghamton, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I think it's going to be one of those games. I think a lot of different guys are going to play. Um, Izzo's going to want to look at a lot of his different pieces in game action and try to figure out that rotation as the season rolls along. Um, and I think that's going to result in a pretty big win. Um, less than a week, six days, time to get excited.
2: Yep. That, that, that clock is ticking. I'm counting every day uh i want to you shout out shout it out eastern michigan i want to give a shout out to tom Izzo because i really love how much he appreciates i talked about it in my story but how much he appreciates the other in-state basketball programs i mean a lot of these smaller programs get paid to come to these big universities and play these games and Izzo keeps all that money in the state of michigan we've got detroit mercy this year Oakland is a frequent uh, uh, c- competition, Western this year, and Eastern as well. Uh, I just really love that Izzo, Izzo likes to keep the money uh, in-state. I do have to object. The one in-state team they're not playing.
1: Fire is up. The Chips. The Fire chips. up. I, I was going to say T- Trent's, uh, Trent's brother's school and Trent's a chip, too, chip yep. by, by blood. They're, they're getting excluded this year.
0: Yeah, a little bit, and I have ties to the basketball team too. My brother was a manager, so I was hoping that we would able to get we'd be able to get this matchup, but not so. But anyways, Brendan, go along with your uh, what, what? How how do you see this game playing out?
2: Yeah, I'm, de- I'm definitely with Sloan that it's it's going to be a, a Spartan dominated game as it was last year, I believe. Um, I will say, Sloan, I have the Spartans scoring seven less than you just because it's the first game of the season. They're going to miss three layups and a free throw. That's where they're gonna miss those seven points um, down to the T with these predictions here on Impact is zone. I got 96-53 Michigan State.
0: Pretty similar number that I got here, Shabath. I got the Spartans winning 98-55. Look, maybe a bad joke, and I say this very tongue-in-cheek. The only chance in hell that Eastern has to win this game is if there's a COVID outbreak and the game isn't played. So uh, the, Spartans, oh the Spartans are gonna hit the, the Spartans are gonna hit the ground running. I think we're gonna really see. And I think maybe they'll take their foot off the gas in the last 10 minutes, get some of the younger guys, some reps. That's maybe we can see this front court depth start to shake out a little bit right from the jump. It's going to be really interesting to see. But it's just going to be great to have Spartan basketball back, man. We all got a big win um, in our predictions. And uh, more than likely, we will be back in a week to recap this game and head on uh, with some predictions for the games ahead. But, guys, you got anything else to add?
2: Very excited. Glad that we were able to do this. We we always talk about it, uh, how excited we are. And it's just every day is just more and more stuff. I I can't wait.
1: It's such a privilege to just be sitting here with a schedule, with a roster and some games to break down. I mean, we waited till the bitter end for that schedule. I mean, it seems like every day we were texting each other, Hey, no schedule today. When did, you know, you were in the ISO press conference the other day. When did he say the schedule was going to be out You know, amidst everything that's going on right now with with COVID-19, the pandemic, um, just to be here, even though there's no fans, limited media, et cetera, just to have the opportunity to, you know, watch the guys take the hardwood, um, you know, report on games and talk some basketball Um, in a year in 2020 that's pretty unpredictable. Uh, It feels good to have something that's really a solid rock back in basketball. No pun intended. No pun intended with rock.
0: That was a that was a good pun. I've heard I, I've heard better puns out of you though. Song, you're gonna have to have a pun of the week. <laughs> I have to, I'm gonna, gonna sneak it happen. in.
1: I'm not. I won't like present it like at the beginning of the show, but I'll just sneak it in there somewhere, and, and you guys can see if you can catch it right off the bat.
0: Yeah, I'll you can give, find I'll out if we're you. actually paying attention to what you're saying. I'll give you. I'll give you my pun for the day. I loved it
2: today. Cassius Winston in his uh, press conference this morning says, "I'll put my money on me. Cash money betting on himself. I absolutely love it."
0: Yeah, that's great. Oh, I read that in your I read that in your article. That was a great story. But yeah, go check out Brendan's uh, recap of Cassius Winston getting drafted. I wrote something about Xavier Tillman getting drafted. We've got plenty of content coming your way all season. Stick with us, Impact Zone. Thanks for tuning in to our preseason show. We'll be right back at it next week. Uh, check out the podcast anywhere you listen to podcasts. Shout out to our station manager uh, Amber Kanutsky, our general manager jeremy whiting thank you for allowing us to make this happen and thank you to zoom for allowing us to continue to do the podcast again we hope to get back in the studio uh after this three-week period uh but we will we will keep you guys updated on that stay tuned uh enjoy some spartan basketball this week from trent valley brendan shea bath and luke sloan we'll see you next time